This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. Hello everyone, my name is Jennifer Molsky. This is my YouTube channel. So often when you ask someone about their exes, depending upon how much time has passed, they, have, they can't have little or vague memories of the person. And on rare occasions, you hear about people talking about the one who got away. I want everyone listening to be the one who got away. And the only way you can be that person is to be setting the bar constantly. I want you to be the mold of the ideal woman. When you're in a relationship and act in a way that is creating the perfect mold, a few things happen. For you, most importantly, you can rest your head on your pillow every night knowing that you acted with integrity. You have fairly managed your emotions. You have been the best woman for your man. I'm certainly not expecting or looking for you to be perfect because perfection provides no opportunity for growth. And we're human, so we're always growing. So we're not looking for perfection. All I want for you, from you, is to work to be a little better today than you were yesterday. That shouldn't be too hard. It really shouldn't be too hard. A big theme in all of my videos is trying to align you to a plumb line of fulfillment. Can and will you get hurt in life? Yes. I'm not one for empathizing over pain. I just don't care if you, if you get hurt. I care about how you handle it. Some people whine and complain and openly admit that they're bitter. And I have never seen a bitter, upset person who is happy, whose plumb line is true. All I want is for you to always end up happy and to be proud of who you are and how you conduct yourself out in the world. I want you to walk with your head high because of how you are and how you act. That's my goal for you. Hey guys, I uh, wanted to start off today's video with a little story actually. Uh, my daughter, if you guys don't know, she's in elementary school and I ride my bike to go pick her up because it's fun, you know? On the way there, the the high school that I passed to get there, it had let out a, uh, a little bit earlier than my daughter's school. And I saw these two kids bullying this other younger kid obviously younger he was much smaller much thinner just your typical nerd i guess you would say you know basically what i did is i ran over there and i started cheering on the bullies because basically i don't care if they're in high school bullying is bullying it's fun as fuck. and then a bunch of the other uh fathers came out of the school actually from picking up their kids and we all cheered these kids on as they started to beat up this nerd because we all know there's nothing better than getting that goddamn lunch money. And at this point, the principal walked out. And the principal, let me tell you, ooh, she is banging. So I cat called her, but she just kind of ignored me. So what I did is I ran in front of her and she turned her back to me, kind of as like a, mm, no, not this time. I'm not listening to you. So I grabbed her ass. I'm just kidding. None of that happened. None of that would ever happen. I would never condone any of that happening. But that's not what Gillette wants you to think. Gillette wants you to think that that's how all men are. Real talk. Stop using virtue signaling to sell 
products. You're garbage. Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce you to two of my friends, Jennifer Molesky and Dale Hiller. They're up-and-coming YouTube stars. Jennifer discusses personal development and responsibility for men and women on the channel which bears her name. And on his channel, Lackluster, Dale documents police misbehavior and discusses how citizens can enforce their legal and constitutional rights with law enforcement. They're also a married couple who individually and together have been on their own journey of transformation. And like an increasing number of people these days, they're learning to navigate a more traditional path of partnership as our so-called modern models continue breaking down. In this podcast, we talk about the 21 convention where I met them and where we got to know each other and how the convention can benefit both men and women. We talk about what traditional partnership means to them and the challenges of unlearning that they're facing individually and together. We discuss what it means for a woman to be a truly good wife and a man to be a truly good husband, the perils of being a content creator on YouTube these days, and Jennifer shares her experience of becoming an adoptive mother to Dale's daughter after never wanting to have kids, while Dale shares his moving and personal story of transformation from childhood abuse into the strong and capable man he is today. You'll notice we spent a lot of time laughing on this call, and that's a pretty accurate reflection of what it's like when we spent time together. This is definitely one of my favorite conversations so far, and I very much hope you enjoy. Once again, it's my pleasure to share my conversation with the amazing and stupendous Jennifer Molesky and Dale Hiller. Jennifer and Dale, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. This is our. This is your fourth one, fifth one? This is my fourth interview podcast. Okay, got it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's really good to see you guys again. I had a great time hanging out and chatting with you guys at the convention. Likewise. Yeah, you know, at the, after the convention, uh, George Bruno interviewed me about my experience and about my speaking experience. And he said, so which content creator, you know, did you talk to and like? And I said, Will. <laughs> that's awesome. Even Thank though you. you were an attendee, but I, I really, I really enjoyed you. So I, that's great. I, yeah. I enjoyed uh, speaking with you in that in that brief interview as well. Um, and I was actually curious. You know, you guys are the only couple that I know of that has gone to the Twenty One Convention, both as attendees and and Jennifer. You were also a speaker. What was that like for both of you? Well, I think the interesting spin of it was that she was a surprise speaker, mm-hmm. and so having to kind of keep it hush hush. And and also attending on technically a press pass because I don't I don't know if you saw we had we had press badges yeah 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 so we got a lot of questions about like what well like what do you Buzzfeed or something like that and m- most people know Jennifer but um but but that was kind of interesting it was uh, uh ha- having a bounce between these different roles of secrecy and also attending and I, I don't know it turned out really great for me though. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I think I got a lot more out of it than than I brought to the table, which was very nice. Can I ask real quick? I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. No, no, no. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to ask what what you got out of it or what you felt you got out of it, or you can answer after after you guys both get a chance to go through the question. No, yeah, no, no worries. Um, I think I think one of the biggest things for me was, um, I mean, one one of the jokes on the twenty one convention was 
you know, increase your toxic masculinity right. by nine hundred percent. And I think this yeah, was um, <laughs> like kind he, of he a, beat the shit out of me later that day. Yeah, later, no. it was amazing. <laughs> it worked, <laughs> but, but it it kind of acted like a um, a booster shot for a vaccine. You know, like for vaccine. I, I'm yeah. I don't want to get into the vaccine thing, but the way vaccines are supposed to work, you know, you get one and then, you know, the next ones are booster shots to help it perform better. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what the 21 convention did for me. Um, I, I'd already had all of these ideas and ways that I act within my life and it just kind of reinforced it and shored me up and allowed me to really consider all the ways that I'm masculine and how I'm not masculine and how I need to change and be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that phrase, toxic masculinity, is there's nothing actually toxic going on. It's just men defining themselves outside of what culture says they should be is default defined as as toxic. Right. So that language needs to be like cut in half. I don't even know what they, I don't even know if the people that say toxic masculinity know what the hell they mean when they say toxic masculinity. I just think it's anything that goes against their demands. I agree. You know, like, I want to have an abortion. No, I don't think you should. That's toxic. Like, whoa, what is toxic? They don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a shaming technique. And so, I mean, in some cases there are, there are ways that men can behave really out of pocket and really violently. And, you know, we have, we have places for those men, either in the military to, you know, conduct war or in prisons or something like that. Uh But for the most part, I find that when the phrase toxic masculinity is used, it's used uh, as a way to shame men into behaving in a particular way. And when you don't do it, then you're labeled as toxic, whatever it is, even if it's just like saying no, you know, or in some, in some situations like, no, you're supposed to say yes to that. Well, no, well, you're toxic. You know, and and Jennifer, Uh you talk a bit about that on your YouTube channel as well. I suppose I do, but can I, Will, can I say what I, yeah, yeah. Your, your original question was um, coming, going together as a couple. I thought it was pretty cool because we, he was like the camera guy and and we were in you know like we're in partnership in, in what we do but i wasn't expecting to like he said get as much out of it so on one hand i found myself a little bit more masculine <laughs> than when i walked in the convention meaning i was so riled up against feminism that mm-hmm. it got my blood boiling a little bit mm-hmm. you know and it, it got me kind of not kind of it got me pissed off um mm-hmm. but it was it was so i would suggest it to all couples um, to go together. It was so awesome because we got to talk about what we learned and who we agreed with and, and who we didn't agree with. And so where I almost went there as a more like a professional thing to, to gain content and, and to speak, it ended up being something really good for our relationship. Mm. And, and, and I came out wanting to be more submissive. I, I'm even like, I'm trying to script out this video about, about submission. Cause it's such a, it's such a word. Mm-hmm. People hate it. Mm-hmm. And even I squirmed away from it. I still get a little squirmy on the inside, but mm-hmm. I want to squirm through it because I know that there is some really beneficial things in that. So I'm trying to figure out how to uh, fall more comfortably into that role. Um, Although I also want to shore that up with, I have no, I have no qualms about it. What is the video or the movie with Gene Wilder and, and there's that imp guy and he goes, yes, Malsta. You know what I'm talking about? And he like, mm. he's kind of like an imp and he follows him around and he goes, yes, Malsta. Anyway, that's how I feel like whenever Dale, my husband t- uh. 
leads in any way, I just like want to hunch over in a, in a joking way. And go, oh, you're a small stuff. But I do. I like whatever he wants. I, I want him to lead and I trust him implicitly. So, so that was good to be reminded of that, I guess. How long have you guys been married? It's actually, it's actually only, we've been married for this, four months. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. Uh, yeah. So not, not a long time, but, um, but long enough, long enough to have really developed, uh, and, and also our previous relationship prior to marriage, we've been able to determine gender roles and how the marriage was supposed to work between us. You know, I think before, that, before we went into the marriage too. Yeah. I mean, what was that, what was that process like? I mean, to, to move into marriage and relationship so consciously is not something that most people do. Yeah. And, and actually Jennifer has a story that she tells about one of her, her, her friends that, and, um, and, and I believe it, it was regarding a one night stand. And then after they had had sex, she goes, so do you want to have kids? Just like pillow talk. Like they're just shooting the shit. And and she asked him that. And and he's like, well, that's a little personal. It's like, but you just did the thing. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Well, maybe I told that story. I don't know. So, so for us, yeah, being able to talk about everything openly and freely and say, look, this is my role and, and this is your role. And, um, you know, really made it clear for us what we were getting involved in. But we didn't do that with pillow talk after having sex. Like we did a lot of conversing <laughs> before, before mm-hmm. while we were dating. And I think mm-hmm. it, it kind of, I, I do feel bad a little bit for the, for the men out in the world because, because of the women that throw around the phrase toxic masculinity so much. It seems that women have more of a free pass to bring up intimate things than men do. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if men want to get to the nitty gritty and be and ask personal questions, a lot of women will shy away from that. Um, so I feel like it needs to be women need to step up to the plate and and talk about what's important to them. So I mean, right away I was talking about well, I first of all, will I think you know you know even for knowing me for a little bit, you know I I hate feminism mm-hmm. and I bring it up all the time out even in the world. So you shoot it with an AR every day on your videos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I know. So, so I, I talk about that a lot in, in my life. So when we met, we talked about that. And then that breeds, you know, like, why do you hate it? What do you hate about it? What's wrong with the world? And then we can get into by saying what I think is wrong with the world or what's right with the world. And he doing the same thing. We kind of find our values if they're in alignment or not. And ours were. And also to, to piggyback on that, too, um, we were also... We, we made a conscious decision in the very beginning to just date and get to know each other and understand each other before um, being sexually active. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was huge, you know, not not being promiscuous and jumping right into it. And I think that's also something that's kind of wrong with today's dating world is it's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think, you know, men expect it a lot. And, and then women also, if, you know, if they're not putting out or getting the D or whatever by date three, they're thinking, you know, does he like me or not? Mm-hmm. And it sucks that it's such a, um, a, a needed thing, sought after thing, or, or yeah. people demand it right, right away. Maybe they put it on the burner. People th- think a lot about sexual compatibility. Like, well, we need to have sex so we know if we're sexually compatible. No, 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 no. You need to, in, in my estimation, you need to really emotionally turn each other on and the sex will, will come. Oh, yeah. Will come. Ah, I get it. Uh, well, yeah. well, sex is usually the thing in dating that most people lead with, and right. uh, you know, rather than sex as the natural outcome of a healthy relationship in all these other ways, 
you know, so it's kind of, we've got things typical for the world today. We've got things a bit backwards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, Jennifer, I just wanted to ask you, since you, you spoke about feminism, what is feminism from your perspective? Because I talked to Socrates a few days ago. And what I said is that, you know, feminism began as a movement for social, political, and economic equality for women, which I think everyone agrees with, social, legal, especially. But there's a version of feminism today that I frame as men and women are equal in all ways, but women are better. Uh, yeah. That's modern fem. That's the idea behind modern feminism that no one actually says. So what is from your perspective as a woman, what is what is feminism and how how do you define it? Oh, cats are fine. Cats are welcome on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> More the fair. Bring them on. Oh dear. Um I feel like if I were to give my definition, which I don't have off the top of my head, I mean it, it'd be a lot of talking. It'd basically be what you said. Hmm. Because because we have the freedom, and we've had the freedom for quite a long time to choose our our own partners uniquely. I don't really see. Uh, I'm gonna. Well, okay. I'm also an anarchist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not a statist. So mm-hmm. what I'm about to say was gonna piss off every statist. But I wouldn't mind if Dale voted for the family unit. Sure. You know, because mm-hmm. I actually don't even believe in the the voting system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. We, we can get into that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. But yeah, it, it seems to me that, okay, so I believe in, in the NAP, the non-aggression principle, and I believe in negative rights versus negative, uh, I bend the knee to negative rights versus positive rights, mm-hmm. which is basically God's law, natural law. Mm-hmm. And that seems, we're there. We are there. I don't know how much more we could be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into the positive rights of mm-hmm. things for women. So women want more positive rights, more perks, more, more privileges. And and I don't and I don't like that. And I don't agree with it. And I think it's making everyone unhappy. Dale was a firefighter mm-hmm. and he saw laws have to change and in, in LA he was a firefighter and laws had to change so more women could be on the uh, on, in the fire department. So it used to be you would have to lift a ladder yeah, yeah, by we, one person. It, yeah, there was a three-man ladder. It's 170 pounds. And and uh well well actually it used to be a two-man ladder. Yeah, so and then two, they changed the laws so women because two women couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't lift the ladder. And most women couldn't do it. Um mm-hmm. and, and then there were height requirements as well, and and that, you know, kind of fizzled out a little bit too with the introduction of equal opportunity employment, but uh but yeah, I think I think things like that are are uh, uh, along with tons of other uh, social issues are are what's leading us into you know different different political stances like equal opportunity and things like that. So, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's the positive rights like that that I hear about that I, I think women are confusing with a baseline neutrality. Yeah, I mean being being seen as equal in the eyes of the law, being you know for example right to vote, being seen equal economically as in. The same hour, the hour of labor is worth the same amount. Those are very different things from saying we need to empower a state to enact uh, what we determine as uh, restorative justice as the big term. It's like, okay, well, we perceive all these historical wrongs, and so we're going to empower the state to mm-hmm. right those wrongs by committing more wrongs. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that'll all make it okay. So two yeah. wrongs, you know. And, and the question I always have for that is like, well, if two wrongs fix things. Well, what do three, do three wrongs fix them more? So how long do we get to go back and forth? You know? Yeah. You know, this way of thinking wasn't 
always my my way of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't believe anybody should be linear for the, their entire life. Sure. But um, well, that's that's the point, right? Like I I think yeah. that well, I mean, for example, like your both of your previous relationship history led you to the point where you could be and have the relationship that you have today, right? And I'm sure you Absolutely. can probably see that. Yeah, you know, I just talked to my ex-husband a couple days ago um, because the men's convention made me feel guilty for getting a divorce, like more guilty than I was before. So I called him and I I felt so bad. And like, I talk to him every so often. Well, we we talk about once a week anyway, but I cried and I'm like, I'm sorry that I was a shitty wife. And he's like, no, I mean, well, he loved that I said that. It was like his favorite thing I ever said. (laughs) Made him laugh. but but I said, I'm sorry that that, that happened, you know? Um, and he said, well, Jennifer, like, we're both better for it. And, and I told him, I said, because of our relationship, I am an awesome wife mm-hmm. to Dale. Sorry, ex, you know? But he's also, he's also <laughs> in a great relationship now, too. And um, one of the other things that she shoots in her intro, Jennifer here, um, is uh, victimhood. Right, it's, yeah. it's victimhood and and blame, and and I think a lot of people go through life, and when a relationship is ended, um, and and I've been through this too, where where there's a a, a period of, no, she did me wrong, and, and this was her fault, and this is where she ruined the relationship, and blah blah. But once that rage, that I guess you'd call it red pill rage nowadays, mm. once that subsides. And you're able to look internally at yourself and understand um, how you were at fault, even for the things that you're blaming her for. Like, how how did I act within the relationship to cause her to react in this way that ended everything? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those kind of internal um, like moments kind of break away a lot of a lot of walls and barriers that uh, that kind of suppress your growth. So absolutely past relationships were detrimental to to the man that I've become today. And and actually sometimes I think about it I I know that um a lot of the uh the more religious sex will say you know find a wife marry young and then raise babies and and I that sounds awesome and I I, I like we actually we talk about it all the time we should have met when we were 20 mm-hmm. would have been so great but then again like we were douches. Yeah, we were both douchebags. <laughs> so, and we had a lot of growing to do. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know if it would have been great if we met at 20. I really like the men's convention. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it got me more into, I never want to be a hypocrite, right? And I always want to live with integrity. Mm-hmm. And I preach a lot about self-responsibility, taking care of oneself and taking care of family. And my ex and I came up with a, uh, a settlement we'll call it because I put him through law school and then we divorced as soon as he started his law firm. Mm. And, and when I called him this last week or when we talked, I told him that he didn't have to pay me the money that he, that he owed me because I'd rather have it go towards his, his, his new, new child, his new wife and, and yeah, child. New wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and that made me feel happy to be able to say that to him. And he, you know, and I, he responded exactly like I knew he would like, Oh, that's so nice of you. You, you know, if I get, if I get the money, I'm going to pay you. But if I don't, then mm-hmm, fuck you, mm. <laughs> which which, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. You know, yeah. so so that made me happy because because like I'm gonna 
I'm so happy right now. So I don't want to take from a failed marriage, which has brought me here to a very happy time. Yeah. And, and I can already hear the comment sections call me a beta cuck for allowing that to happen. Wait, so allowing whatever, what to for, for allowing you to resolve him of, of the 30,000. So that, that was actually... Oh, uh, you think so? Wait, wait, because I would, I would say that I would be a total asshole for even receiving money from him. Oh, no, no, I know. But I I wasn't saying it was my my idea. But but that was definitely a conversation that we both had. And um, and I mean, it just seemed like the right thing to do. You know, Mm -hmm. he helps us with legal trouble all the time, too. So (laughs) it's kind of like an added perk. Now we never have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're living your lives and what you it sounds to me what you gauge is to be integrity. So say, you know, Jennifer, you came back from the convention and you had this sort of a, I guess you might say an accountability moment and you said, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry for all the things that I did and 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 I recognize and I see you now, ex-husband. What's his name, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking? Kirk. Kirk. I see you now and I'm sorry for the ways that I screwed up. And I, I release you of your of your obligation. And that was for you. That wasn't for him, Jennifer. That was yeah. that was for you, Jennifer. And then Dale. You know, I hear you saying that you might be perceived as some sort of like beta cuck or second, you know, second tier man. Oh, it's, it's guaranteed, not night. <laughs> but I mean, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but we, we don't, thank, thank God we don't live our lives in response to comment sections. I mean, yes, you know? of course. But I mean, but at the same time, you're, you're like, why do you feel like, or why do you feel like people will see you that way for, 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 because she absolved him of, of his responsibility that somehow speaks about you? I think most of it has to do with the comment section. There's a lot of negativity, especially. Yeah, well, why would they? Why would they? Oh, yeah, I was going to uh. get there. Um, and and mainly um, because a position that we've taken up in our, our marriage is very traditional, where mm-hmm. um, she just actually uh. recently ended her employment and she has essentially 100% care of our daughter, Meredith. Mm-hmm. And I bring in most of the money. Her YouTube channel obviously does is you know brings in some money as well. But I'm the provider, and she is, you know, the traditional wife and takes care of the womanly responsibilities. I take care of the the you know mm-hmm. the more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why would they call you a beta cuck? Well, I think they would call me a. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the reason that they would perceive me as a beta cuck is for being the one that is providing the income for the household, mm. and then. Allowing her to resolve herself, resolve him, resolve her ex-husband of his financial responsibility to her, Mm -hmm. which would, I mean, eventually go to the household. Mm -hmm. Being able to resolve him from that debt is is also a great benefit for me, you know, Mm -hmm. in the same way that it is for Jennifer. But I think at the same time, I I don't think there's there's any better scenario if you were to say, no, don't do that. You know, because you can never really say you have to go with. Ultimately, you have to go with your heart, and I think a lot of these hard mm-hmm. and fast rules about what's alpha and what's beta and all that stuff mm-hmm. is just for is just for uh, men who don't know know how to navigate these things from their own mm-hmm. sense of internal integrity. So they follow a set of rules so they can act as if, but ultimately, you like I'm it, when you act with integrity, there's no substitute for that, and who cares what anyone calls you, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm not fortunate enough to have that many uh, negative YouTube com- commenters in my life yet, so. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Will. You, you, you'll you're going to grow. <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 you'll get to the point where you don't, I don't know, sometimes it's not even worth it to look at the comment section. Oh No, for, but Will, you're, you're, you're wonderful, and you're, I don't think you're contentious in any way. You're just bright and articulate. Likewise. 
Thank you very much. I, I, I aspire to, to reach out in a way that helps people connect. And if they want to react to that and get upset, well, that's, that's on them. Like I'm going to do my best to open the the door as wide as possible. And if you don't want to come in, well, go outside. Well, I mean, so you guys, you guys both have these really popular YouTube channels and what's that, what's that like for you being, being private figures? And you've also, I mean, sort of transitioned to being public figures in the past year or so. Like Jennifer, I watched one of your videos and you said you had like 400 subscribers like a year ago. It was the Iron John video actually, which I want to get into. Oh yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. That's like to go from 400 subscribers to like almost a hundred thousand subscribers in a year. And then Dale, your channel has grown quite a bit as well. Like, so in a very short time, you went from private people living your life in a private kind of way to like inflation like whoosh, and now you know you're now you're being flown to the 21 convention to be a guest speaker you know surprise guest speaker like mm-hmm. both of you guys what how has that been for you guys individually and as a couple no i mean i it seems it seems like i'm a public figure i'm I, i'm i'm not i don't think i am in in any way really uh at least that's not how i see myself so i would say it doesn't impact my life or anything in any way yeah i i, I would say about the same i I know that in the community that I create content for, my my name is pretty well known. But outside of that, I mean, I, I don't walk down the street and get noticed ever. Sure. <laughs> but um, I, I guess in a way, I, as you were asking the question, I was trying to think of of how it has impacted us privately and publicly. And in a way, it I, I believe it's built our private life up even more so, mm-hmm. um, considering that we both now we're at home all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, we work from home and that, that's actually one of the reasons why we dress up all the time. So uh-huh. we can separate home from, you know, cause home, home sometimes is work, you know, mm-hmm. for us, but it allows us to incorporate work with private life and all of that. So uh, yeah, it's very interesting, but, um, but I, I don't think it, I, I don't think either one of us feels like public figures. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, the, the public has such a strong, I mean, yes, you're not going to, you know, walk out your front door. It's like, Dale, <laughs> sign my, Jennifer, sign my, you know, that's not happening quite yet. But at the same time, you know, the public opinion is such a strong part of the things you guys say. And what you guys say is such a strong part of who you are now because you've worked to bring those things into alignment. So, you know, I guess mm-hmm. it's like, do you feel that, that I guess that weight of the YouTube comment section on a daily, on a daily basis in a way? It affected me greatly about six months ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything that I was saying. In fact, I still can't find anything in my in my videos that is destructive. But it's, you know, I made I made one video and it it keeps getting talked about. You know, the past year and a half, and a lot of people will come in and dog me. And you know, I've ne- I've never been treated disrespectfully out in the world, only online, mm-hmm. and only to a community that I'm trying to help. Mm-hmm. which which makes it interesting. So for a while, I had to just stop. I made it a law. I couldn't look at the comments anymore. And then and then I filled back up on self-esteem. And then since then, it's been it's been fine. But I don't think I'm answering the question in, no, in the exact way that no, I mean this is this is this is your your authentic experience. Like, and which video was that? And what sort of um, what sort of dogging comments do you get on it? Oh, um, it was the MGTOW. Uh-huh. I made a I made a video about MGTOW because I well it's defunct now but I had a meetup group every Tuesday for 
three years where we talked about freedom, anarchy, and liberty and whatever would get me riled up in the morning. So I'd like read something in the news and then think deeply about it. And then I'd post it on the meetup and I'd be able to talk to like 20 people that were super smart about the subject. And at one of the meetups, someone brought up MGTOW and incels and no one knew what that was. So I thought that it was a, uh, you know, so I brought it up. I made a video about it. And as it turns out, there are many people within that community who are posers. Mm. Uh, they're, they're not real MGTOW because I think real MGTOW are going their own way. They're super busy. Yeah, they're not involved in a woman's comments. Actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> Fair point. You know, you know, so, so I, brought, I brought them out. And, and that's, that's the video that I'm really the only video that has, has gained attention with vitriolic attention. Can you, uh, can you share some of the comments that, that, that really hit home? The ones that you read, it's like, oh, even though you don't like them too. Sometimes no, you read- I mean, it, it, it was nothing about me. It was just like, I couldn't believe the hate of these people for, mm. and, and a lot of, um, a lot of rhetoric that they use. There's, oh, juice isn't worth the squeeze. Too little, too late. Where the hell were you? <laughs> 20 years ago when the law was being changed, I'm like, dude, like, what are you talking for? You guys are so weird. And it was just thousands, thousands. I mean, if I go to my YouTube, uh, like held for review, because if it's like potentially spam or if they use swear words or whatever, something like that, they're held for review. And I have thousands and thousands and thousands of just, you're a dumb con. I hope you die. You're the worst. Like, okay. Like, are you are you are you leaving this message at at your VIP position in your in your suit or are you in a basement? Because I have a guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now I'm now I'm talking smack, but seriously, normal people don't do that. So no, I mean, I mean normal people don't have the time to go and 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 spew hate on anyone's anywhere anything. You know, it's like yeah, I got, yeah. I got too much else to do. And, and Dale, I'd imagine that you probably get some. You get some comments as well because you know, your, your your channel is about you know misbehaving police. Yeah, and um, and I think there's a, a a large community of of people who want police reform and transparency within their government, and so I get a ton of really great comments. It's actually very rare for me to get any type of negativity. Um, when I do, it's usually in the form of a direct message uh, as a death threat or <laughs> just being, yeah, little things like that. But uh, <laughs> no big deal. But, yeah. Otherwise, no, most of mine are, are very positive. And it, it was interesting because six months ago, I mean, in, in my channel, that had gotten to the point where I was receiving 20 to 30,000 comments a month. And I can't, I can't spend my time on that. And and it sucks because sometimes it appears as though I don't care about the people that are viewing and spending their time to actually put forth their ideas on my comment section. And I absolutely do. But it would it would cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to hire a team of individuals to go through all of the comments that we receive every day. Um, so it had gotten to the point where just naturally I had to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I would allow myself, okay, if I post a video. Um, the people that are getting the notifications are going to be there right away and they're going to comment. So I can focus on the people that are, um, you know, uh, real gung ho about the channel and putting a lot of, you know, bam, notification goes out there commenting. Uh, other than that, I have to ignore it. 
And, mm-hmm. and that was something I think she had to transition into also because it was consuming a lot of her and, um, and not negatively, but yeah, but well, I, I guess, yes, <laughs> negatively then. Um, but it was consuming a lot of her time too, like going back and forth with these people. And most of the people who are spewing this vitriolic hate about whatever they're super passionate about on the internet, they're not there to learn. They're there to yell at you for not being them. And mm. that's, I, I mean, there's just no point. It's worthless. Yeah. yeah. After a while, it just becomes kind of grinds you down after a minute because you're, you're not really, you're, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to change people's no. mind. No. Has, has and you're not going to grow yourself. That's right. That's right. There's no, I don't think anyone's mind has ever been changed on the internet. I mean, if, if you can no. see that anthropological study, nope, we've looked through thousands <laughs> of years of recorded internet, internet history and no one's mind has ever been changed. We've yeah. got one guy. <laughs> that's so true. Well, you, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. The juice isn't worth the squeeze has revolutionized the world. Like it's changed laws. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it isn't worth the squeeze. Holy oh, shit, what am I going to do? The juice metaphor got me. Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to carve it into stone on a, on a big temple. <laughs> well, I mean, if you guys been, as you guys have, it sounds like you guys have kind of gone through this process together. It's like this comment is blowing up. Oh my gosh, what's happening in the Dale, the next hub. This is blowing up. I'm getting all these comments. Like what is going on in the world today that you guys have had each other to share through that in a way? Yeah. Well, I, I think one of, one of the easiest things to do for me is if, if I if I get some if I get a very negative comment I I can just pin it to the top and they can all play with each other. <laughs> just kind of open up a playground and let the kids go for it. Yeah, just here's here's your fun enjoy enjoy that with each other. It's sort of like a feeding frenzy on each other. Yeah. So where do you guys get your I mean how do what is your process for creating content both of you individually because you cover very different topics. Ooh, our, and and we have very very different uh, ways of creating content. Um, I typically follow a lot of uh, police departments, and most of them have. May I interject really quickly? Oh yes, of course. For anyone who's listening, he uh, Dale does police accountability and government transparency. So he will he will put up videos about um, interactions of civilians and police officers and break down what rights and laws the police officers are breaking. Hmm. So, so civilians can better understand what their rights as a U.S. Um, citizen are. Just mm-hmm. so everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for describing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's probably important. Um, so, so I, I watch a lot of different law enforcement agencies. Um, I do a lot of FOIA requesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of people that come to my channel actually and say, "Hey, I had this interaction. Um, can you check it out? Did I do something wrong? Did the police?" You know, um, did they do something wrong? And uh, and then I go from there, and and then it's a lot of research because I'm by no means a lawyer, and I am not giving legal advice ever. But a lot of the times, I I can watch an incident, and I know that that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem okay to me. Mm-hmm. Let me look it up. Okay, yes, there's a Supreme Court you know precedent. There's this. There's that, and then we'll break it all down and. Uh, figure out who who was right and who was wrong, whether it was the police or the civilians. And um, and I have to produce a lot more content mm-hmm. too. Whereas I produce three to five videos a week, she's 
producing much less. So, mm-hmm. but her process is way super interesting. Mine's pretty boring and whatever. Oh, I don't think oh. it's interesting. I do. I th- and maybe it's just because of my my bias. Um, but I'll, I'll should I explain it then? If yeah, I exactly. since I think it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. she described your channel. I want to hear you describe her channel. <laughs> well, um, so I think Jennifer Molesky's channel started as a venture into personal growth for herself and also just to kind of spread little messages that she had learned you know within from from within herself and so what she does is she journals every day and scripts for hours and days and weeks until she has something down to where where she feels confident enough and then it, I delete it. And then deletes it and then starts again. And then, which is why, which is why there's, I mean, because if you think about my, my content, my, my, I'm just dealing with facts. You know, mm-hmm. this happened. There's a video. Here are the laws. You were wrong. Done. You know, super easy. Mm-hmm. And hers is more of a, a journey into self and understanding oneself and how it relates to, you know, I wish I just wanted to make money. I wish I just wanted to make money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because honestly, God, I think I could get the same message across and way faster if I cared less about like having my name behind it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Say more about that. Oh, well, it seems like everything I do, I'm always thinking about how (laughs) if I die, if it'll be accepted at the pearly gates. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. Um, Okay, here, I'll give you an example. Years ago, I started this horrible business called Mm anonymouscompliment.com. And it was for people who wanted to give a compliment because it feels good to to give a compliment, but sometimes it's fun if there's a little mystery, right? Mm -hmm. So I got all the stationery and la 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 la, and I had probably 50 orders total. And it was just people that would, there was a whole question form and where to send it to. And I would, create the card and send it to this random person saying, you know, someone wanted to tell you the blah, blah, blah. Where the, the, the business that did well was like, it was like send a complaint, you know, like <laughs> anonymous complaint.com. And it like did so well because oh, everyone just wanted to be an asshole yeah. to people. And I'm like, I wish I, I wish I cared about money because I would have done that, but I didn't. I'm like, I just want to do the right thing. You know? Yeah, of course. It's, it's just, Man, if I was just a couple shades more of a dick, I think that I would be really wealthy. <laughs> but but I'm not. But I'm not. So that's why it takes me forever to write a script. And do I want to say that? And do I really feel like that? And Jennifer, don't let emotions get the better of you and be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that takes a while longer. But then when you're done, you produce content that you're proud of and that you could stand behind. You sleep at night. Well, yeah, mostly. But there's still, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, and then I dream about it and then I have to wake up in the middle of the night and change wording. It's so weird. You would never know that from my YouTube channel. Like, uh, your content's okay. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) seriously. Well, I think what's, I think what's really what I like about your YouTube channel is that it doesn't come off in this very scripted way. It comes off in a very off the cuff kind of like I'm thinking out loud kind of way and this very natural way because you're, you're dealing with topics that, can be very difficult for people to to assimilate some people anyway, and that but you present it in this way that seems very casual, like oh I'm just thinking this as I go, but you know it's it's really good to no, know. There's I've, a lot I've of thought about, 
I've thought it out and then I probably say it in a spasmodic way, but I've thought it out. Well, that's great. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what creates your, I mean, your personal brand in a way is that it's, it is very accessible and relatable. Yeah. Versus, versus, you know, Dale, you put yourself, you put your material out in a very, in a very different way because it's a different subject matter. It's very clean and polished and, and legal. And, and, and it's also, you know, with law enforcement. So you have to put it out in a much, I guess, stiffer way, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And these styles have like evolved as you become content creators, as you've discovered what's worked for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Videos I was making a year ago are way different than, than what comes out today. Mm. Mm-hmm. What changed? Uh, it, most, you know, to be honest, most of it is um, the way that I research. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot, I, I have many more avenues of, uh, you know, different tools, I guess, to find uh, valuable information and also editing styles because, you know, video editing, uh, both of us produce our work from start to finish. We don't hire out at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rarely does she even now ask me for help with editing or or audio or any of that stuff. She does all of her own stuff. So that's a process of learning as well. Cause that's a, I mean, editing audio and, 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 and video is such a deep craft. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of, Oh yeah, absolutely. And to the point where I can edit a lot faster and I guess it's just learning tricks and yeah, different styles I like, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was in the pro audio DJ world for a while and so, oh, I, really? uh, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I'll send you guys my SoundCloud link. Um, okay. nice. So, I, so I, I learned a lot about audio production and you know Pro Tools and Logic. And so when I sat down and, and I, I thought I had left that part of my life behind. So when I mm. sat down to start doing podcasts, I got to bring all those skills back and have so much more fun because I was never really any good at writing music. I enjoyed always the editing and the touching up sonically. Uh-huh. So now yes. I get to do all of that. All I have to do is just talk and then I can edit it sonically. So it's so much fun for me to, to get to do that. But I recognize that like that's a process for most people. Yeah. Coming from nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, Learning exactly. It. Ramping mm-hmm. up. Well, I guess... Um, then I guess Jennifer, I want to know how your content has evolved over the over the past year. It hasn't. It has <laughs> <laughs> problem solved. Next topic. It takes me just as long. Actually, I used to just go totally off the cuff. Yeah. You know, and and now I I think a little bit more thoroughly, which I I mean, it's like I wish I could kind of go back. So um, I'm still I'm still figuring things out and and how I want to take my channel and what I want to talk about. And I always get jealous of people that have a niche, like a serious niche. Sure, yeah. And my friend even said to me when I first started this, he said, so what is your channel going to be about? I said, I don't know. And a couple of weeks ago, he said, I think I figured out your channel. It's just like what General Muskie is thinking, but it seems to work for you. You know, so it's just, it, it is no niche exactly. Well, I mean, it's all about self-responsibility. And that's where Dale's in my channel that's right. comes together i think we, we both are very pro handling being as self-responsible as possible and he kind of rails against the state so mm-hmm. why but he does it on his on his channel and i talk to individuals about being full of integrity and, and responsibility hi everyone sorry to interrupt the conversation This is just a quick reminder that if you're active on social media, you can find me on a couple different sites. On Twitter, I'm at Will underscore Ren of Men. And on Instagram, I'm at Ren of Men. I'm active on both those sites. So please uh, give me a follow. I'd love to see you there. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
or any of the many sites online, it would definitely help if you'd give us a rating. Just head on over there and drop us a five-star rating. Or if you have a moment, leave us a review. Definitely make a big difference in helping this podcast reach more people. Thanks so much. And now let's get back to the conversation with Jennifer Molesky and Dale Hiller. So to bring it back to the first question then, you know, which I asked about your experience as a couple at the 21 convention. So now that we have a bit of background of your values and how you got there, like, again, how was it for you going? Like, as you, So you, you're not the people that you were a year ago or so, it sounds like. And now here you are at the 21 convention experiencing this relatively, is it a new world to both of you? Jennifer, I'd imagine it's somewhat a new world for you. Or were you aware of the men's development community? Dale, it sounds like you knew a bit more about it, perhaps, but... I mean, it's a new world that you kind of went into, and now here you are, like, in the midst of it in Orlando. It's more of a new world for me. I mean, I didn't realize that there was so many men trying to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I didn't know that. Uh, but thank God I found this, because like I said, that convention really, really turned a lot of lights on for me about the natural order and role of male-female relationships. And it's not that a man is over a woman. It is, but it's it works so beautifully when you find a well a well put together man. You know, I think a lot of women are afraid of being um victimized by a man because they, they think that he's going to be a tyrant. Well, some men will, but that's why, you know, because we have equality and freedom, we are free to suss out and find a a a great partner. But then, you know, I've been asking women lately, sorry, I'm going off on a different alley here, but I've been asking women lately what they, why they got married and what is, what about them as a wife is unique that their husband couldn't get from anyone else. Wow. And they, they like the question, but it's hard to answer and it makes them think. And I think for most people who are in a relationship, if asked that question, like, um, well, I'm really fun and I like to go camping. <laughs> slow cap, slow clap. You know, it's not a big deal. So I've been thinking, I love, so all the, all the videos that I do about relationships and whatnot are when I look at my husband, I get really happy and I will feel something and I'm like, oh my God, I should tell the world this. Mm-hmm. So, so like my fat and ugly video and what's the role of women. I, I love my husband so much because of who the man he is. And the man he is today is because of all the sla- the dragons that he's slayed and all the shit he's been through and all the unique things that is, have made him the man he is. And I think he is the most amazing person, but no one else does. And and that breaks my heart. <laughs> I think you know, he's pretty breaks- amazing. <laughs> no, I know, but I, I'm not saying this right then. Okay. It breaks my heart that no one else thinks he's as amazing as I do and no one else would treat him as such. Mm. So I'm going to devote my life doing everything I can to make sure that he knows that he is the most important person to at least one person, and that's me. That's awesome. Does, does that make sense? It makes total sense. I mean, you mentioned at the start about um, the difficulty around this word submissive. And I think what makes that word really challenging for people is that implicit in that word is the idea of vulnerability that I'm going to, because you're describing an aspect of submissivity, submissiveness, submissive, I'm just making words up, submissiveness. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like, I love my husband so much that I want to make him happy. That's, I mean, that's, that is what being submissive is. And and I prioritize making him happy. I mean, Mm -hmm. isn't that what submissiveness is? Like, you don't got to, you know, pull down a holy text that says, it says, this is what being submissive means. Like, I love my, I love my husband enough to want to make him happy as my priority. 
And some women have trouble with that. Yes. And here's the thing that I think we're all missing is that everyone is submissive to something. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are admissive to the state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who do they vote for? What what do they believe? They're submissive to their employer. I don't Mm -hmm. want to come in today, but my boss is making me. They're submissive to their customers. Well, I choose to be submissive to this one person who doesn't demand it of me, but revels in it. Mm-hmm. And he's worthy of it. I, t- t- in my estimation, absolutely he is. Yeah, in my estimation as well. Like, he, like yay! yay! I mean, <laughs> you know, good for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dale love fest now. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the thing, and that's what that's what I think gets lost in a lot of these conversations is that it's so important you know, for a man to become the kind of man that would want a woman to feel that way about him. Uh-huh. And it's not just like women, you need to be submissive to men. It's like, hey, also you flip around the other side of the coin. It's like, men, you got to work your shit out and you got to be a man who's worthy of that in a woman. And that doesn't get yeah. talked about because that's way harder to talk about. Uh, yes. But I mean, it's also, it's also a huge responsibility in Dale. I'm sure you can speak to that. Like she wants to make you happy and it's like, well, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I have to be deserving of that and, uh, and fulfill my role as a husband, which also includes making her happy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making sure that she understands how appreciated she is and that she's provided for properly mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else. Yeah. Um, but the only way that I could get there like like she mentioned earlier was the dragon slaying and mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of men um haven't gone down that route and they have traumas in their past whether it's you know sexual molestation physical abuse d- just ptsd from war or even uh some of these first responder jobs yeah. and and yeah ptsd from relationships and a lot of people aren't dealing with that those issues and uh, and it makes them uh, without them even knowing um, un uh, <laughs> unreceivable mm-hmm. to the kind of love that a real woman that's also done that kind of stuff for herself mm-hmm. um, that you know unreceivable to the love that a woman like that could give you. So what was your journey like in that regard? I'm always fascinated about men's journey of transformation. Last yeah, you you were a douchebag at 20, I heard. Someone told well, me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so mine started uh and so I was sexually abused uh mm-hmm. from the ages of nine to thirteen. I don't know if you if you want to talk about that yeah, on please. the channel. I'm open to talk to all, all about all about this stuff. So and so so okay, sexual abuse, nine to thirteen, uh from, from a stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't talk about it until I was 28. Mm-hmm. And that means I didn't talk about it until after I had gone to war and then I got addicted to heroin. And then I had tried a billion times to get sober and n- nothing helped. Like, like it, it seemed like everything that I was doing in my life, um, chasing women, drugs, uh, partying, going to war, even uh, all of those things were ways for me to mask the the pain of my childhood Mm -hmm. and i I actually while dealing with some of the the wartime ptsd because i I was a combat medic for first infantry division in oaf2 blah blah blah, whatever lots of good videos on youtube of some war stuff Mm -hmm. uh so so I, i got to see some really intense uh combat um and i went to the veterans administration to ask for help because i was having these you know emotional breakdowns and uh, I was constantly angry and starting fights. 
And and when I walked in to this therapist and sat down to do, you know, to talk about war, for some reason, this therapist was like the golden standard of therapists. And she mm -hmm. knew right away, like, no, there's something else. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about your your molestation. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, like mm -hmm. how the like if she can read it, other people can read it. And and so we did this whole long thing um, that involved a lot of writing and and. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to like write it and burn it and send it to the universe or something like that. But what she did is she made me like read it over and over and mm -hmm. over again until I could read it and say it nonchalantly. And and that's actually allowed me to be able to talk about it openly in public, like on this podcast, for, for example. And in doing that, I have people reach out to me and ask for help. And and so that allows me to have a fulfilling transformation and journey through all of it. And and only after I healed that was I able to even look at some of the other issues in my life. And um, and once I was able to talk freely and openly about it and a, admit there's a problem and then, you know, discuss it with other people and, and help other people through the same problem, then I was able to grow. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a general yeah. synopsis of, of my journey, I guess. This was a therapist at the at the Veterans Administration. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think one of the, one of the things I've been realizing a lot lately too, is, is that, um, part of your journey is that the journey doesn't stop. So you can have to continuously work on mm -hmm. whatever issues haunted you in the past and otherwise they're going to come right back up and bite you again. Mm -hmm. So talk about, um, talk about your experience of therapy, because this is something that men are, many men are very resistant to that are carrying traumas like yours. You know, mm -hmm. for, uh, of unimaginable, you know, amounts of pain that deny it, and they also deny themselves the opportunity to process it because, like, oh, I, I would never see a therapist. Like, talk about what that journey was like for you, of being like, okay, I got to go well, talk to someone, and then opening up. Well, actually, that was that was very difficult for me, uh, in the sense that, um, and and not not seeking it, mm -hmm. maybe I don't know. I guess I struggled on my own for about five years and self medicated for uh, for for about five years until I finally seeked therapy. And what I found was I was being put with these one-on-one -on -one therapists and we would talk about an incident. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I was receiving from the therapist was co-signing of my own bullshit. Mm. Like I perceived that this happened and da-da-da. So I was like kind of victimizing myself in it. Mm -hmm. And and I was getting a lot of feedback is like, yes, that that that's horrible that that happened to you. And, and well, yeah, sure it is. But th thanks. That doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, right. um, Thank you for that. And and I mean, while it feels good in the moment to do something, to talk about it and get the co-signing, um, it, do, it, it does nothing to the root of the issue. And so it took me a long time to find a good therapist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hardest part about it because it's hard to even say like, what is a good therapist? Mm -hmm. But the the process of therapy that really changed me, I, there's a lot of different types of therapy, you know, the the one-on-ones, um, those are all right, I, not my favorite. Um, I went to cognitive behavioral therapy and that was actually a course and you had to do written work. It wasn't just go and talk for an hour and then you're free for the rest of the week mm -hmm. of that, you know, obligation that I didn't want to do in the first place. This is um, an actual method of uh like workbooks and everything you have to really think and write down different thoughts and um how 
your brain is perceiving it as something that it really isn't and tricking yourself away from tricking yourself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are unwilling to do that sort of work. So yeah. if you're the type of person that actually goes in and does the work, then you're going to really get something out of it. And then once you're a little more free and can talk more openly about your issues with strangers, even, um, then I suggest group therapy. Group therapies are kind of good for that kind of portion of, uh, development. I've done pretty much every modality except for, except for cognitive behavioral therapy. I tend to go for, it's a fun one. Yeah. And that, and that was like, that was a big one for you was, was finding like a, a, a CBT kind of therapist who helped open you up in that way. Yeah, that was that was the biggest uh, flip for me. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the moment where you finally realized that you were free of this experience? Um, I don't think I ever... Tr- well, I, I guess it was, as I mentioned earlier, writing down my experiences that... Um, like, like, she made me write down every single aggression, every single sexual abuse aggression upon me wow. that I could remember write it down in detail, and then read it out loud to her. And mind you, I, I want to add this in. The only reason I even chose this therapist in the first place was because she was really hot, right? <laughs> Fair. And, and so I was like, I get one-on-one therapy with this chick for like the next 12 weeks. That's so awesome. About you know? war and how strong I am. And, uh, yeah, about yeah, and, uh, how big of a man I was in Iraq and all shit. Got more and than you bargained and, for. Uh-huh. Yeah, in five weeks into it, I'm sitting there and and explaining how another man, you know, took advantage of my child body, and yeah. that's not easy to do with anybody, let mm-hmm. alone somebody that you you meant to see because you thought they were pretty. You know, mm-hmm. it's so it's, so. I think by the time I had read it through from start to finish, um, I I don't know, it had to have been a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Before I could, I could do it without um, stopping for emotional breaks or, mm-hmm. or not cry and all that kind of stuff. By the time I could just read it through, like, I'm sick of reading this. It's actually boring to me now. Mm-hmm. I think that was when I, when I had my first real turning point, my first real break away from those incidents. Mm, so you kind of drained these experiences by surfacing them. You drained them of the charge. Maybe, and, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's that simple. But yeah, I, I mean, think sort of like a sort of broad sense and then and then what was your journey like after this is a subject that i'm absolutely fascinated by and i could talk about it like all day so like i oh, hope yeah. you don't i love this stuff no no worries so like what um, was your journey like after that so you so you drained out of the charge and then you have to go back and you have to look at all the mistakes you made as a result of these things that happened to you in a way mm-hmm. and um and i guess i'm still on that sure. journey because because the next portion was was drug addiction because i i'd been lying about being addicted to heroin so so I had to get get into that aspect of my life and and get off of that junk, mm-hmm. and um and I guess in more recent times and and this has to do I did you watch the Jesse Lee Peterson stuff at the twenty one? Uh, did I see his? No, I missed I missed both of his talks, but I did talk with him a bit in person. Okay, yeah. Well, one of the things that he was referring to was um. Uh, throughout the weekend was forgiving your mother mm-hmm. so that you can forgive your father and get right with him. And the bottom message that I really got from it was you need to absolve yourself of all resentments. Mm-hmm. And that way you can be closer with whatever is the higher power that you believe in. 
because if that anger is in the way, it's going to block any type of spiritual growth. And interestingly enough, about a year and a half ago, I might, oh, mind you, my mother is still with my stepdad, even though oh, wow. she knows everything. Whoa. And, um, and so it took me until till about a year and a half ago, almost 10 years after trying to recover from this, this, you know, going to the CBT program to actually tell my mother what I felt and, and that I did resent her for it and, um, and to forgive her for it and free myself of her. So now we don't actually speak, mm. um, I don't know. For some reason, I always thought like because they're my family and I was born to them, maybe I owe part of my life to them, you know, or my attention to them. At all. But I don't think that's necessary at all, uh, especially if your family is evil people. It's mm. it's okay to detach yourself from them and go go your, go own, your way. own way. Oh! <laughs> Families going their own way. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Well, that, I mean that that's the that's the essence of the journey, right? Is that you? you know, you committed to it and you started the process and, and you stayed with the process. I'd imagine there were some times where you're like, I don't want to be doing this. This is too hard. I'm scared or uncomfortable. I mean, in all different ways, but you really, you stuck with it until, until you were, you were free, which is, or, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. Many men never begin that journey never, or, or fall off the path. Yeah. Well, I think I still have another step that we just learned about actually from the 21 convention okay. talking to JLP because I, I I wrote my forgiveness and goodbye letter or I, I forgave and told my mom goodbye in a letter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. and if you watch Jennifer's interview with him, she asks him specifically, yeah. can you write a letter? Mm-hmm. And and he says, no, that's the coward's way out. You got to face him. You got to go face to face. And I was like, and I knew while we were filming it, she was asking that for me. Mm. So I guess I got to fly to California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I loved about Jesse Lee Peterson. When I first encountered his content, I started listening to some of his church services at Bond, I think it is, on Sundays. And, you know, people will raise their hand. It's just audio, so I wasn't watching. So I can't see what these people look like or who they are. But they get up and they start talking, and his first question is always the same. Did you forgive your mother? And the first Mm -hmm. time I heard that, I was like, oh, wow. Because it landed, you know, it's like, oh yes, okay, I get that, I get that. Yeah, and and you to watch people like wriggle and squirm with that, it's like, oh, I was like, okay, you know how important that is because you got to let that go. I mean, it's a process, right? And then the people who commit to that process, the transformation is immense. Yes. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I I lost my, I lost my mother, and uh, and I got to speak with Jesse personally about this in 2006, which is my own. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of my, that's a big part of my own story that I'll, that I'll get into sometime, but. Um, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. You talked to Jesse Lee Peterson in 2006? Or you lost your mom in 2006? I lost my mom in 2006. Oh, so so I got the chance okay. to talk with him in the hallway at the 21 convention, just one-on-one and say like, you know, my mom, my mom died. Like I can't, you know, so to, I can't actually talk with really? her, yeah. but I've been through, I mean, I, you know, like Dale, I've been like, you have been on my own healing journey. Like I, I have a therapist as well. His name is Jamie. He might even be listening. Um, and I hope to have, well, I hope to have him on, on the podcast because this is something that men need to know more about is, yes. you know, it's so scary. You know, Jennifer, you mentioned Dale Slade dragons. Like that's yeah. not a, that's not a joke. You know, that's no. a real no. thing. The yeah. dragons yeah. aren't out there in the world anymore. Not this no. era, yeah. you know, maybe in, maybe a couple hundred years ago, they were not, in a, you know, in more of a physical sense, but the dragons are, they're in here. We got to go yeah. in and men, there are tough guys that are terrified to do that. Mm. And, and so, you can say, like, I, I. 
I knew a guy who had tons of dragons and he could have been everything in the world, but he just, man, they, I did a whole video about, um, demons. Are you possessed by a demon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the same thing with the dragons. Like I, I act, I, I can see it in my imagination. It has its, it has its hooks in your neck and it just brings you down further to the ground mm-hmm. where you could, you, your shoulders want to be high, but it will not let you. Mm-hmm. It will not let you do that. And you have to fight that piece of shit and it's getting bigger every day, mm-hmm. you know, but once you start fighting, then at least you're, it's like when you're not fighting it and you know, it's there, you're in purgatory and there's no place worse to be than not knowing where you're going to go next. But once you've, when you, once you've decided a course, whether it's through hell or through heaven, you're, you're on the move and it feels better, you know, because there's action. And once you decide to slay that demon, it might take a day. It might take 10 years, but it will, it will hold you back less and less until you can stand with your shoulders high. And then people see that people see that. Cause I see, I see men with their shoulders high and they're tough and they have muscles and they are being destroyed by demons, dragons. You can see it when you talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think this also speaks a little bit. We started out talking about toxic masculinity. There are mm-hmm. men that are, you know, that are very physically strong, you know, that can be quite tall or quite, you know, quite ripped, quite physically strong, no matter how, but they're, they're gripped by demons as, as yep. many humans are like, this is not a male yes. female thing. Like men no. and women have their different demons to deal with. But when you see a man who's very physically strong, who's gripped by demons and traumas and, and childhood pain, and he acts out in these specific antisocial kind of ways, that I would say is real toxic humanity. It's not toxic masculinity. If it expresses mm-hmm. itself physically, then you know men are more physical by nature. Sure, we can call it toxic masculinity, but it's toxic humanity. And this is something mm-hmm. that we all suffer, that we all suffer from until we mm-hmm. rid ourselves of that process. So I guess, you know, I guess one more question, Dale, like for the men listening who are aware of their own traumas, and who are maybe afraid to go into them, afraid to experience them. Like, what do you have to say to those men to 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 encourage them? Like, no, you you got to do this. This is this, you can't just LARP this. Like, you got to live this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's just like um, just like anything else that you would do in life. Um, uh, I, I I'm I'm a smaller guy. Uh, That's for for well, yeah, I'm not that small. I'm, you know, but but I'm a small guy for a you know uh, a firefighter. Mm. I'm I'm kind of a small guy for a combat medic. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you typically want really big guys that can carry other really big guys out of those situations. Mm. And and they're also, um, especially with you know Los Angeles City Fire Department, uh, they they chose 250 people out of 50,000 uh, applicants. Wow. So I get asked all the time, like, how did you do it? How, how did you make that happen? And and how how did you how did you do this with your life and not with your life? And how how did you do your YouTube channel and how this and how that? And the answer is always just do it. Mm-hmm. You just do it. And we've talked about Gary V and and um and I guess he he's got a show and somebody was asking, hey, I've got this. I I want to start a business or something. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is just do it. You just have to go. You just got to start. Mm-hmm. If you don't, it's it's only going to hold you down and keep you either where you are or continue to suffocate you deeper and deeper down into the dredges of hell. Mm, I agree. That's it. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Talk to somebody. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people out there have dealt with something almost identical to to what you've gone through. And, and it's really, uh, maybe, maybe that's jumping ahead 
too much, but but if you can if you can find somebody to talk to, it doesn't even have to be a therapist. Just be able to voice it and get it out, and then move into the therapy. If that's the step you need to take, then take that step. But just take the step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just a bit of my story is I'll ask my mother to suicide, and so that was two thousand. Yeah. That was two thousand and six, and uh, yeah, it was, it's a whole it's a whole thing. But yeah. um, it, when I finally went to a, a support group. A suicide support group and talk to other people that had been through the same it was it didn't heal me but it was such a relief to know like okay i'm not the only one going through this yeah. you know sort of sort of like okay so now i can go talk to somebody about that and then going to talk to someone about that um in 2007 was what introduced me essentially to, to depth psychology this notion that we carry traumas that live deep in our body and in our, in our subconscious mind and that we as people can use our conscious mind to descend into those depths and there are various ways to get down there and then that's the that's the hero's journey cycle you go into the underworld and you slay the dragon and you come back with the elixir that's the story and we can do that inside our own bodies not just out in the world and that was yeah. like life-changing for me and set me on the path to me being here today and so when i meet men who have done something similar and transformed our lives from you know being a douchebag and heroin addict you know to being the strong upstanding man with a beautiful wife and a, and, a, and and building a life for each other like i need to honor that like i need to celebrate that in the men that i meet because that's that is the, the journey of life so i just want to i just want to honor you for that dale like congratulations well, like i know we never actually make it but congratulations <laughs> on all the process really and all the progress that yeah, you've achieved no it's true yeah well thank you that's huge i appreciate that likewise yeah, yeah we we, uh, I think that's why we connect is that we've had similar but different journeys. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so how, how far into this process were you when you met Jennifer and then Jennifer, when you met Dale, was this already evident in him or have you been with him as he's gone through this process? Like, what was it like for you as his partner? Well, he had pretty much been through it. Um, the ax was forged and he sharpened it he's been sharpening it since we've been together. Mm-hmm. So the forgiveness, he's gone, gone through everything, but I feel like he's becoming crystal clear, crystal, the diamond, diamond strength. And I get to watch, I get to watch that, but it's because that he's been through everything that he has been, you know, like we, I did a video with Bruno um, about red flags. Mm-hmm. And my thing with red flags is, Okay, let's say let's say that we're looking um, in in their past by twenty years, and if we, we if we have to put binoculars on because way back there we see red flags, just like miles of them, and they're coming our way, they're coming our way. But then there's a white one, and then there's a red, 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 white, 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 red, 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 and then pretty soon if we remove the binoculars and all we see is white flags, and we we have to like really look into the past to see the red flags, I would consider that slayed dragons. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he's been addicted to drugs. He He's my little red flag, but he's my little white flag now. You know, mm-hmm. he, in his past, he had these things and I know that he has conquered them. And that's what made him so sexy and mm-hmm. trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know the guy doesn't bullshit. If I ask him a question, he thinks about it deeply because he wants to more than anything, more than please anyone with his answer. He wants to be, uh, have integrity that he's representing himself well. And, and that was apparent right away. I know that we, I know that he thought that I was pretty in the beginning and he was interested in me, but he didn't bullshit. He didn't just say things 
to get me. And I really liked that, you know, his honesty and candor. So I met him after the process. But I think also one of the most important things is that, and 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 this is something actually that I'm, I've known all along and I've reminded myself, had to have reminded myself throughout the years is that the process is never really over. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, e- even, even recently over the past couple of weeks, I've had things that I've been, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't dealt with you the way that I should, you know, I, you're never healed. You never make it like you said, you know, and, and I'd been letting one facet of something go and, and it ate me up a little bit. And, uh, so, but yeah, I, I, I think that probably happens to everybody. So I'm not mm-hmm. taking my, taking it out on myself too hard. But. No, I mean, it's, it's layers, right? My experience is that it's layers. You deal with the top level stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. You deal with the top level stuff, and then that allows deeper things to surface. In fact, all the way down to, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've healed trauma in myself. I believe from my my father's ancestral line, like you know, mm-hmm. generations of of male trauma, um, mm-hmm. has come up for me. Okay, well, I guess this is just my mind to deal with. And I believe that's the that's the charge of men today. Is that you know this is our war? Our war is a spiritual war. We're looking for a war to go off to. You know, a lot of guys are like, "Oh no, what? Get, let's get ready for the boogaloo." You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or all yeah. of that. It's like, no, I don't think we actually want that. If if we as men are, we absolutely don't. If we as men are willing to go in and fight the spiritual war inside, that is a greater. That is our. That is our war, and that's even a, that's yeah. even a greater war because real transformation will come out of that. Yeah. Mm. Plus, if you yeah, if you fight that war once the boog happens, if it happens, <laughs> right, you'll be yeah. ready for that too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's there's no downside essentially. Yeah. So so as as Dale's been going through this process, Jennifer, how has it how has it affected you? Because you've also you've also found your way into this world of of personal of men's personal development. You see men working on themselves in various ways, and that seems like it's affecting you and causing you to challenge the way that you think about many things. Yeah, and I, I guess I would say the same thing about myself. I, I've been forged for a long time, but now I'm just sharpening the blade. Okay. You know, um, I've always been in the self responsibility domain, um, but now I'm just t- I'm I'm seeing it a little bit differently, and and trying to help other women to be the best that they can be, and to go down that that rabbit hole of self exploration so they can be clean and ready for when they find a dragon slayer, mm. you know, mm-hmm. cause you gotta be a fair maiden if you're going to be able to garner the attention of the dragon slayer. Accurate. Well, so, yeah. so, what, so, what, so then what, well, that's really true. You know, you, yeah. you mentioned this in one of your videos about men and women being in competition with each other in relationship. And that's what you and I talked about uh, on, on the video at the 21 convention, mm-hmm. you know, like men don't want to compete with their partners. Like what? That's just not. That's just not what we don't want to compete when we come home. No, and I think. And, and you've mentioned in one of your videos that you know women feel like they have to compete with men, and uh, and so I guess you've been on a journey on your own way to realize like, wow, I'm being. Have you been competitive? Like, what's been your journey? What's your journey been like? You were also a douchebag at twenty. You said so. What's been? <laughs> I, I, this is your word. So I just oh, enjoyed yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what's your journey been like to get there? Because you know, you've been I, you've been on your own road, and I don't know what women's internal transformation is like because I'm not a woman. But I know what men's internal transformation is like. Yeah, I wish that I could rewind because when you asked that question, I had a big answer come up, but mm. but now I forgot it. So well, I've been thinking <laughs> I've been thinking lately about. Um, Okay, okay, okay. So women are competing with men 
because it seems like that's all they know. They're told that they can do anything. They're told they can be anything. They can go to school for anything. They're just as smart. They can run just as fast. They can punch just as hard. They can, blah, 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 blah. They can do all these things. Mm. So that's what they're, they're doing. But every woman has one or two family recipes. Like This is my grandma's. This is my great, great grandma's recipe for blank. And they're always so proud of the mm. family recipe. You know, and it got me thinking back when boys followed their fathers and learned and apprenticed with them and and got the skills of all the generations to go and do whatever it is that they're going to do, whether they're a cobbler or a farmer or whatever. And women did the same thing. They learned all these skills from their mother. And one of the beautiful things about, about gaining skills is once you gain them, you want to go out and practice them, okay? So you go to school, and you can be anything in the world, so you want to go to school to be a chiropractor. So you go to school to be a chiropractor, and now you're super pumped to go out into the world to show someone, look at what I learned, look how valuable I am. And the thing is, there's, there's no school on how to be a great wife or a great mother, that was supposed to be handed down. Mm-hmm. But imagine if we had a school or imagine if we were handed down all this information from our mother and grandmother about from their great, great grandmother. What Imagine if I had hundreds of recipes and knew how to nurture a child and take care and what my role was. I would be so pumped to go into the world and show my skills with my husband and family. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking lately, maybe that's all it is. Is it such a lack of skill? It's such a lack of hand-me-down and heredit, no, heirloom of skills. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to give. There's no pride anymore. So of course you'd want to be an engineer because I can learn how to do that and then I can show off. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to be a wife. I don't even know what that means anymore. So I can't show it off. That makes sense. I mean, it, it I've been thinking sense. about it lately and I don't know if I articulated it well enough. But that's what I'm thinking about lately. Like, what if I had 300 family recipes and I knew how to do all the canning and I knew this and I knew that and I knew how to be a midwife and I knew all these things and I knew exactly what a man loved. And then I would be so excited to go at 20 years old and find that great guy, that great cobbler, the great dragon slayer to to show off for the next 60 years how good I am at wife and mothering mm-hmm. and grandmothering. There's a... Um... You guys, uh, talking with you guys at 21 Convention and also today makes me think of this author, Alison Armstrong, who wrote these books, uh, Keys to the Kingdom and the Queen's Code. And it's helping women understand men and their life cycles and what their values are. And she's really excellent at it, as you are also excellent at understanding men as well, Jennifer. And I think that lends you a really good insight into men and lends you a certain a level of respect for them, um, a sort of level of default respect. And also you have a, a man who's himself worthy of, of respect as well. But you see things in such a, in such a, I think it's a very beautiful way as to say, you know, all these skills are designed to build this home. And mm-hmm. as we talked about at the 21 Convention, we have this modern conception of power and power exists only because of money. And so if you want to be powerful, you have to have money. And if you want to have money, you have to work. And if you want to work, you have to have great careers and then you'll be powerful. Mm-hmm. But that's such a limited conception of what power is. Yeah. This notion of being able to fill a home with life and, and create children who are happy and flourishing, you know, and children, you get grandchildren, you look as a mother and you say, it began with me is that that's power. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, power doesn't even begin to describe what that is. To label it power insults what that is. Yeah. And so we, that's been taken from us. And I think that's maybe inherent in some of the things that you're saying. I agree with your synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but has it been a journey for you to discover that? 
It's been a journey for me to realize that it was in me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm curious about that. Um, well, just because, and no one's going to like this, but I, I've never wanted kids. Um, so I was raised, I was raised by a single mother and I'm an only child and I was only ever around adults, mm -hmm. which I have no qualms with because you learn how to be a, an adult from adults. Um, but my comfort level, even when I was a little girl, when I was around other little children, I was like, oh, this is so weird. Like they're like so dirty and doing all these weird things and there's ketchup everywhere. And eh. wow. so, yeah, so I, <laughs> so, uh, but, but not when I met Dale, because he has full custody of his daughter, it turns out that I'm a natural and I really, really enjoy mm -hmm teaching and and parenting and i'm not maternal in the oh come here little baby you're so sweet and no it's like hey you're an awesome kid what do you want to learn today how do you feel let's talk you know what i mean it's, it's a totally different um i always talk in my in my on my videos about raising children yeah. raise them so when they're 18 you they can go out into the world you know, it's not holding and cuddling and telling them how sweet they are and how wonderful they are and how perfect they are. And then they're 18 and you're like, hey, good luck. Go see what it's like out there. Mm -hmm. No, it's and I really enjoy doing all I can to ensure that she'll be successful. And 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 I try I'm trying so hard to teach her now the importance of feminine. But she's a natural. She's mm -hmm. a seven year old natural at being a little girl. I have a story. My coworker, before I quit, her name is Liz. She has a best friend. I wish she didn't because I love her so much. I wish she was my best friend. But she has two. <laughs> she's so awesome. She has two kids, um, a little boy and a little girl. And the little girl loves all things little girl, like little fuzzy things. And she, you know, used to like to sleep with their stuffed animals and whatnot. And her little boy, when it was time for story time, the only book that he would let them read was the Home Depot catalog. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he would want, he would carry around his screwdriver all around the house and he had to go to sleep with it. He had to, he had to fall asleep with the screwdriver. So they were like so uncomfortable with it, but he'd cry if they took it away. So he'd fall asleep and then they'd go take the screwdriver away. Um, I can't remember my point. I think I just was waiting to tell that story. That's a great story. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. No, it's, I mean, you're, yeah, it's, <laughs> I was going with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, you were you were talking about you were talking about. Oh, well, yeah, very natural. So she yeah. likes all the fuzzy things and whatnot. And I did that video. I did a video about the difference between a princess and a, and a queen. Mm -hmm. And I always tell her, like, you're you're a princess now, but we're teaching you how to be a queen, mm -hmm. which is handling your emotions and and helping and not complaining and doing the right thing behind everybody's back. Mm -hmm. You know, like be a sly little integrity girl, hoping. That there's a there's a family out there that's teaching their little boy all the things, and then and then they meet, and then they're a shining example of what could be. Mm -hmm. I would say that the, the 21 Convention Patriarchs event is in the hopes to pass on some of those values to, to fathers, so that they can then pass them on to their sons. Because I think in the same way that you say that uh, the the blessings, I guess, of motherhood and femininity and and uh, and I guess domesticity in a way haven't been passed on to women as men. You know, we all talk about amongst ourselves, like we didn't get the good lessons on how to be a man. We got the lessons for how to be tough or how to be strong and how not to cry and how to be successful in a job and achieve. But that's not 
being a man, that's part of it. You know, that's, that's certainly an aspect of it, but the inner fluency with what's going on inside ourselves and healing from trauma, like we don't get that, you know, we get something quite opposite. So in a way that like we've kind of both been deprived of our heritage, men and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked a lot about um, compulsory education and the development of high school mm-hmm. and how that, that took away from, masculinity even before feminism Mm -hmm. started to or maybe maybe right around the same time i guess susan b anthony was whenever uh but wait susan b anthony well uh women's suffrage was she yeah she pretty sure am i right about that yeah late yeah she was late 19th century early 20th century well what's really what's really interesting Mm -hmm. about that there's a book by um brett mckay who uh, runs art of the art of manliness blog um, and his book is called Muscul- Muscular Christianity. And it's about how the Christian church became heavily feminized. But in that, he talks about how um, the social dynamics of why that happened. And so I guess what happened is we're familiar with the Industrial Revolution where fathers were taken you know, off the farm, away from the home, and into, uh, and into the workplace. But then yes. all the cascading effects after that. And then so uh, one of the things that happened after that was, for example, that work, work became the domain of the man and home became the domain as a woman, whereas they used to, you know, work and home used to be very similar places, so they'd overlap. So home became super, super feminine. That's where you have the cult of domesticity, where you have all these, you know, everything becomes very, very frilly and all that. So that's one of those mm-hmm. things that kind of, and that's sort of like women rebelled against that. Like, no, we don't want to be that. We're more than that. But that was kind of forced on them in this kind of cultural thing. Um, but with regard to voting, the, the reason why um, women started want, wanting the right to work and the right to vote was suddenly, you know, labor wasn't determined by your physical strength anymore. You weren't bailing hay or driving oxen or whatever, you know, or, or working in the in the mines. You're working in factories, which is sort of, you know, a repetitive kind of job that almost anyone can do. And so things mm-hmm. began to get very level in a very, in a very ahistorical kind of way in that moment. And so we look at that and say, you know, oh, women were deprived of the right to vote. It's like, well, the world was very different prior to the mm-hmm. Industrial Revolution in ways that we can't understand. Yeah. And so Susan B. Anthony was kind of a part of that. We, we shouldn't go back before that. I mean, but the right. world was very different back then in ways that we don't necessarily comprehend today. Yeah, and and furthermore, even from uh, factory work, I mean, we've lost as a country, uh, we're no longer a manufacturing company, we're evolving into a services, you know, country. Hopefully that's that's changing. Yeah, well, hopefully. But but yeah, and and that, and I mean, you combine that with um, the same thing when, when you pulled men out of the home or off the farm and put them into the, uh, the workforce during the industrial revolution and the home became very feminized. You see that kind of mirrored today with, uh, with most public school or I guess most schools, um, where it's mostly, you know, 90, I I can't remember. I think I had one male teacher growing Mm -hmm. up. Um, and he was a wuss. And yeah, no, I'm he, just kidding. I'm just kidding. And he did like you know PE or something. Yeah, right. so, or, or maybe art. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. My time in public school, I was I had more male teachers, and I remember them very fondly. But I I also see that schools are like a prison, and you're forced to behave yeah. a certain way, and you're forced, you know it's yeah. yes. preparing this industrial revolution model of education that everyone acknowledges does not work. You know, but, yeah, well, yeah. we talked about that. The 15,000 hours of, of compulsory education did what? You know, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell wrote a book about, um, it's not blank, it's the other one. He has a couple now, it doesn't matter. You can be an expert at anything if you do it for 10,000 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to school for 15,000 hours 
We don't learn anything, really. We don't become an expert at anything except for the bell rings go, bell rings go, bell rings go, stop, break, bell rings go, bell rings go. Don't question authority. Mm-hmm. Go home, rest, come back and do it again. And now, and now with the sickness and the world ending, now people are learning from school or from home because now we're going to be moving into a home-based economy, you know, like staring at screens and you, you don't need people to be at the factory anymore. They're in China. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The factory work is done there, you know? So yeah. How, how did we get on that? Oh, the Susan B. Anthony. I thought that she was the one that, who made the flag? Oh, that's, um, no, Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem. No, but who like knit the the flat the first American flag? I know, it doesn't Mary matter. Something. But it's right on the tip of my tongue. That's yeah, right there. Up. See, fifteen thousand hours of school, we didn't learn that. Didn't do shit. Yeah, didn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that's uh, I I call the virus the ooh scary scary. You know, like we can talk about that separately, but um, I think there's a lot of good that's coming out of it, sort of in a backwards kind of way. I've, I talked to Zach Small, and he's been homeschooling his two kids. You know, and of yeah. course, it's a, it's a major burden for many families to take that on. But they're like, I don't want my kids in the industrialized school system anymore, let alone just for the values that are being pushed on kids now, which is a separate conversation. But like, every we've all known going through public school and high school that this is this doesn't teach us anything. We don't learn right. anything of value. We just we just get our our life beaten out of us. Like that's just a known <laughs> thing, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about homeschooling Meredith, uh, our daughter, for at least a year now mm-hmm. uh, with serious intent to do so. And it wasn't actually until the Couve Couve hit and we were kind of forced into it. And unfortunately they, they started the distance learning and, you know, basically they just stare at a, a, a screen for six hours a day oh, and so watch the teacher do something on zoom or whatever. But, um, but that's really thrust us into the homeschooling thing too. And I, I, hopefully it is a good thing as you're suggesting. I really, really hope. Oh, I, I think I, I don't, I think a lot of good is coming out of it. I think a lot of bad is obviously coming out of a lot of isolation, sure. a lot of neglect, a lot of abuse that, you know, we're not allowed to talk about because statistics, you know, so, um, yeah. but I think that there are a lot of people, particularly at the 21 convention. I know that for myself, I've managed to turn the past nine months and some of the circumstances aside, some of the best and most transformative time of my life, you know? And that seems to be the direction that people are going. There are some people like, I'm thriving more than ever. And there are other people like that are falling apart. And I don't know what's causing that. I'm sure we can take apart a lot of different things. Yeah. But that actually- We say it all the time. Yeah, this has been maybe the best year of my life. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people, they're like, yeah, this has been a pretty incredible year. I don't know what these people are talking about. Yeah. Well, like the Renaissance of Men logo, like has has established 2020. And I, when the the designer put that on there, I was like, I wouldn't put a date on there. And then I thought about like, how badass is that? To realize that like, what were you doing with your 2020, you know? Mm. Yeah. But that actually, I I wanted to get back to another, a a question that I meant to ask you, Jennifer, about, um, you know, you grew up as an, you mentioned you grew up as an only child and um, of a single mother, and you didn't have the desire to have children. Quite the opposite, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Because and now and now you're around Meredith, and you're showing this kind of mothering. That's one face of mothering, like the nurturing, you know, breastfeeding yeah. kind of. That's one face of mothering, but the kind of mothering that you're doing now is equally a part of mothering. You know, and you are mm-hmm. her. I, she. How is how is that for you? You are her mother. Like how is that for you? How is that emotionally? I guess you'd say. Well, I, Dale and I have talked about this, about this, and I'm I'm candid about it. I know that she's not mine. I wish she was, because there's a difference, sure. a positive yeah. of yeah. it. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
So, so there is a lack in that way. Uh, but as far as everything that I'm capable of providing and feeling, I feel like I'm, I'm there. I guess for the, um, and you didn't ask this, but I'm kind of thinking out loud here. Mm-hmm. As far as the emotional closeness with her, it's an honor to do that for, for Dale. You know what I mean? Because I love him so much. And then and he he made her. So I want to participate in her excellence, you know, so that. But really, it was just pretty natural. Like, I remember I met her mm-hmm. and she was crying about the the eye drops. Yeah. And and I immediately had, you know, a sit down conversation from one woman to one little girl about, you know, it, I, it just came naturally. And. And it hasn't really been as big of a um, jolt as I thought it would at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't want to date anyone or I didn't want to marry anyone with with children. I'm 42, mm-hmm. which wasn't a hard problem for me because most people had already had children. They didn't want children and whatnot. But when I met when I met Dale and he had told you before, we decided to take it slow and just really get to know each other. One of the things was, oh, he has a child. I don't know if I like that. But then, but then it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't imagine. I don't think it'd be, it just wouldn't be the same without her. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys yeah. been together overall? A uh, little over two years. Mm-hmm. So not long. So I met her when she was in the fives <laughs> mm-hmm. and now she's in the sevens. So and do you guys have have sole custody or is there shared custody? Um, we we basically have sole custody. Um, her biological mother is not uh, a terrible person and can be trusted with her, but she's off doing whatever she needs to do with her life to figure out whatever she needs to figure out. And she she moved out of state uh, a few years back, so. Uh, sometimes she'll have her for like a, a spring break and, you know, a portion of the holidays. And then typically every, every summer she'll take her for like between a, one to two months. And this year she took her for a little bit longer than usual just because of the Kuv Kuv and everybody working from home. Mm-hmm. So she was able to see her more frequently. Um, but, but yeah, otherwise we've got her the rest of the year, like all through the school year. And we make all of her medical decisions and X, Y, Z. Do you guys have time for a couple more questions? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. okay. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have people. We have people coming over at one, so they say. Which is fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So just so just a couple more questions. Then. So yeah. So sure. how did you guys both find the the manosphere, or as I like to call it, the Renaissance of men? How did you guys both you know encounter it? Well, I'll answer first. Um, I originally found it. I guess. I guess as I was kind of like um, uh, evolving into this anti-state thing I, I i think i went from like very conservative to not statist at all mm-hmm. and through the conservative movement um i, I was introduced to a, a lot of people in the men's rights uh, the mra crowd mm-hmm. and and i never really dived into it i was just kind of familiar with it so it wasn't a big part of my life really um and has only become a bigger part of my life more recently. And then how did you find it, Jennifer? I, I made a video about <laughs> MGTOW. <laughs> oh, Honest wow. to God. You just made that, you made that, that, that MGTOW video and this is and an then, idea that you're then, exploring. Yeah. 
you know, out of the numerous things, you know, I, I, the basis of the channel was going to be self-responsibility, how to live with integrity. And I hate feminism. And then I, I did that one video, the MGTOW video. And then that kind of just opened me up when there was an intelligent and well-articulated comment. It led me to explore something else and find a different um, YouTuber or read a different book. And that's what got me thinking, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to be considered like, I'm not a men's rights activist. I'm not a women's rights activist. You know what I mean? Like, I just want every individual to live with integrity, be damned with the laws. I don't, it's, it's against the law to murder. I would rather be around someone who doesn't murder me because they just have the integrity not to, not because they don't do it because the law set up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate the struggle and I, and I like much of the, the message and I understand that my message resonates and is a law is a parallel path Mm -hmm. to, to what their, um, many of their messages are, but I like to focus mostly on the, on, on, on individuals, but that's how, but that's how I found out Mm -hmm. about this. Because I ask because it sounds like you guys are discovering a lot of the things that the Renaissance of Men has been working on, sort of in the mm-hmm. lab. But you guys are discovering it in this kind of lived kind of way. You guys have been trying to figure this out, and then you found this community. It's like, oh my god, other people are talking about that too. Like, is that your experience? Well, for 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 the convention, I really liked the convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was really it was really impactful to me and it did resonate with me and it was cool to be in a room with a bunch of women who weren't feminists. Mm-hmm. Well there I think there there was like two sneaky feminists in there but yeah. for the most part you know it was, it was at least it was women that appreciated the um what the wrongs of feminism you know the unfairness of feminism at least they were bright enough to to see that but it was it was really compelling to to be in that in that room. You know there's a lot of women's there's a lot of toxic men's groups and when I say that I met a guy who I told him I had a meetup and he's like, oh, I have a meetup too. I said, what's your meetup about? And he said, it's about, you know, just like how to avoid being, you know, toxically masculine. I said, I hate your group. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I already hate your group. What a bunch of idiots, you know, like talking about how hard, how horrible they are. Oh yeah, you mentioned that in one of your videos. Yeah, <laughs> what a ding dong. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of women's goddess groups. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to join this women's goddess group and we're going to talk about how I can be a CEO too and my light can shine from my... Ch- it's just like so... It's just so hokey and so masculine mm-hmm. because they are talking about their goddess light, but it's about how fucking goddess they are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was this was a whole different goddess group. It was actually like... Okay, so so in our in our welcome pack, we got aprons. <laughs> some other stuff but we all got aprons but all the girls were like oh look at our aprons you know it wasn't like this is so insulting it was <laughs> anthony's you know? amazing <laughs> so good and it was fun and i and i wear and the she apron. wears it every day yeah, yeah awesome. i love it that's but it was awesome. cool to be in a group where within a gift pack there was an apron and no one got pissed off mm-hmm. you know it was like gleefully accepted. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, yeah. So that was neat. Well, I know you guys have to go and get ready for your guests, but I just have I just have one more question for you guys. Oh, yeah. How do you guys see yourselves individually and together contributing to the Renaissance? Okay, so <clears throat> we we didn't mention this, but we talked about it at the at the convention. Dale and I saw. Wow, but this is tricky. Okay, so we we made a pact. 
a month or two ago, two months ago now, that when we leave the house for longer than 30 minutes, we dress to the nines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. And why? Why would you do that? Well, Dale mentioned before, because our home is our home and our work, right? And when we leave the house, we want to have a separation. Like, okay, we're out in the world now. And I'll speak for myself, but I know that we've talked about this and we feel the same way. When we we put our nice clothes on, we're civil anyway, but we feel extra civil. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because more eyes are on us. Because who, why are people dressed up so nice by the avocados? Do you see those two people by the avocados? They look like they're really dressed up. And then they pay attention to us. And then we have a way, have you ever driven driven by um, like a bus stop, the bench. And it's like, if you can see this bench, then your advertising dollars could be used here because, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, so we are, our, we are the advertising dollars. And when people look at us and we are civil to each other and he is doing the things that men do and I'm being the woman that I think women should be, it, it draws attention to how far we've come in 2020 where people leave the house looking like shit and, and treating each other poorly and not taking themselves seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. So in day-to-day life, I like to leave the house with my husband presenting well. And then I have my YouTube channel. And, and I see myself contributing by trying to get people closer to themselves, closer to their beautiful, wonderful, authentic selves, to work through everything that they possibly can, that they're inspired to, so they can meet each other. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I have, I have one couple. They're coming over at one o'clock. <laughs> who are probably going to get married, and they met because of my meetup. Oh wow! And if I can, if I can get people, I don't care if you get married or not, but if you can meet other people, you know, because because you're 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 well constructed and well put together. And you both listen to Jennifer Molesky. I think that's awesome. Even if you don't, but that, that's what I'm trying to do is just get people to be able to look themselves in the mirror squarely or when they're on their deathbed, they can depart this dimension with knowing that they did the best they could. Beautiful. Boom, mic drop. Your turn, Dale. <laughs> well, I, I wish that there was a way that I could, I, I mean, I'm sure if I reach far enough, I could like, make up some way that my YouTube channel is whatever. But I think one of the things that um, resonated with me at the 21 convention was, and it's so simple of an idea, but it's that family is the basic building block of all of society. Mm -hmm. And without family, the house crumbles without the house society and, you know, the community and then the society and the civilization, it's all false as shit. And, so I, I think the biggest thing that we are doing, other than the, the YouTube channel and what she's mentioned, um, is is personal growth. I, th- I think I think it has to start there at the very foundation of it, and and by by raising our daughter properly and trying to better ourselves individually each day, and having sit downs and talking about our relationship. Um, making sure that we have clear and defined roles within our relationship. And, um, I, yeah, I just, raising I just cats, raising cats. <laughs> we have a Doberman too. She's pretty cool. She hasn't bitten anybody yet. So, uh, I, I think that's, that's the most important thing. And, and we're, we're hitting that part hard. You are. 
you're a good leader to the house. Thanks. You're welcome. Awesome. Where can guys, where can people uh, go to learn more about who you are and what you guys do? <laughs> oh, you, you can go, you can just search Jennifer Molesky in, um, in YouTube. If you search it on Google, it'll be Jennifer Muskie feet, Jennifer Muskie height, Jennifer Muskie husband. You know, all those props. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found them, yeah. Let me just go to YouTube and look up Jennifer Muskie. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I can be found on YouTube as well under Lackluster, L-A-C-K-L-U-S-T-E-R. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. This has been a great conversation. And it's like so good to see you again. Oh, no, you're it's the best. to see you. Thank you guys so much. Have a great yeah. day. Take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.